You're listening to Operation Veteran Finance, where veterans receive unbiased and expert advice to help them achieve their money mission. Here's your host, Army veteran and certified financial planning professional, Garrett Sorensen. Hello and welcome to Operation Veteran Finance. I am your host, Garrett Sorensen. This is episode two of our Financial Planning 101 series, where we're going to be taking a pretty deep dive into each of the sections of what you might consider for a financial plan. If you're trying to build your own financial plan, or if you just want to get a little bit more information on what it is that financial planners are doing when they're creating a financial plan for you, some of the things they're considering, what it is they're looking at, that's that's really what we're going into with this. And with episode two, we are going to be going over budgeting and savings. So this is budgeting and savings planning 101. And I want to start off with the one I think most people really have some strong feelings on. And you either have a really one way or the other, you have a strong opinion on a budget. Some people I know, they think budget is a four letter word in their house. It's something you just don't ever say when you bring up a budget they they might get a little bit anxious they might get a little bit angry they might they might feel some type of way over a budget other people and i'm going to put myself into this camp uh, when it comes to talking about a budget i am very in depth with my budget i track every single thing that me or my wife spend on a google sheet online it's on all my devices we spend something, I update it. We know where things are coming from, where things are going. I can go all the way back to when uh, me and my wife actually first combined our finances for the Google Sheet because that's when I, I switched it over there. Before there was an Excel and I was using Excel for years. So uh, on the other side, you have people that religiously track, update their budget, look at it, maintain it. They want to know where every penny coming in uh, and where every penny is going out. So you know, let's when we when we talk about a budget, uh, the very first thing I think that people ask me, and really a budget is the very first thing I ask people. I say, "Do you have a budget?" and and I just wait. I wait to see how they respond to that. Uh, those that don't have a budget, the one question they really come to is, "Garrett, what is the best budget that we can use?" And that is a very difficult question to answer. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that uh, I'm going to give you the, the absolute best answer for a budget. Fact of the matter is, with a budget, there are several different types that you can use. And what is the best budget? The best budget is the one that you can consistently continue to use and will help you be better about tracking your money. And so whether that's the envelope method, whether that's the bucket method, whether that's the $0 method, whatever whatever method it is that you choose to use, that is going to be the best method for you as long as it's something that you can stick to and maintain to. Now, there are a couple of things about a budget that I feel like uh, you should be looking at. And these are a little bit more just fundamental about what a budget should be doing for you. And so first and foremost, when I see a lot of budgets online, the first thing I notice is that they all seem to be backwards looking, meaning it's really about tracking your spending habits and your patterns instead of telling you where you can be spending your money. 
And to me, a budget should be something that is not, uh, it's not rearward looking. It's not, it's, it's not you looking in the past because truthfully, you can go to your bank and odds are your bank is going to have great tools or there's going to be other tools that you can go and automate the process of where you're going to be able to look and see, categorize, uh, categorize everything that you're spending from your, whenever you swipe your credit card or your debit card, whatever it might be. So there's tools out there that can do that. And so should a budget tell you what you've spent? Absolutely. But I think more importantly, what a budget should be, the information you should be getting from a budget is where you can spend your money, how you can spend your money, how much money do you have coming in? And what are the what are the aspects of your budget that you need to plan on spending in the future? And once you have that figured out within a budget, budget does not become this big thing that you have to worry about and track and always worry about, oh, did we overspend at the grocery store or are we spending too much on gas or whatever it might be? Now your budget becomes something that you can look at and say, you know, I'm, I'm confident that we have the money to cover our bills and continue to save and have a little money left over for us to go and do the things we want to do, go and buy the things we want to buy or uh, spend money the way that we like to spend money. So when you think about a budget, don't think about a budget as something that is limiting, that's restricting you, that's going to tell you what you can't do. Think about a budget as a forward-looking thing that's going to give you the freedom in order to be able to spend your money the way that you want to spend your money. And it's through that information we receive from keeping a budget that's going to allow us to do that. So uh, a couple aspects of the budget we need to look at. Very first thing we need to know is we need to know our inflows. We need to know the money that is coming into us uh, for us to spend, right? What is what is the money that we're going to see? And this can come from a couple different places. If you're self-employed, you know this is going to come from revenue from the business. If you're employed, this is going to be your paycheck. This is going to be your income that you're receiving for the job that you're working. You may have other sources of income as well. There's a lot of different types of sources of income that we won't go over for this just because that's going to be so individual. Uh, for each person, it's going to be a little bit unique. And, and some people have different types of incomes that are going to affect their budget in different ways. But understanding how you are receiving your money that you have to spend is going to be very important. Understanding how that comes in. Is it is it every two weeks? Is it semi-annual or uh, uh, bi-monthly? Is it, you know, is it every every month? Is it on the first and the 15th, like we did when we were in the army? There's a lot of different ways where you can get paid and you may have an irregular pay schedule. You may have a very regular pay schedule. And just really understanding and recognizing that is going to be one of the first things we want to see. So we know how we're getting paid. We know when we're getting paid. And then the very first thing we want to do is we want to sit down and say, what are the bills that we have to pay? And this is where we do actually want to look backwards because that's going to be the easiest place. Pull up your bank statement. Take a look at where you've spent money really over the past 90 days and uh, try to figure out how consistent is that. Our electric bill is paid automatically on the same day every month. Our water bill is paid automatically on the same day every single month. When we uh, when we go in and, and look at our bills, a lot of our bills, they have their set due date. We've automated those payments or we know when they have to be paid. And we can go in and look back at our 90-day track record pull that out, write that down. You can use a piece of paper. You can use Excel. You can use uh, uh, tools. Again, there's tools out there you might be able to use, whatever it is, but find out those dates, 
put those on uh, whatever it is that you're using to track your budget, and then figure out how much money that is. Where what is the minimum that you need in your budget within a month in order to be able to cover your bills? Once you have that amount figured out, now we're going to compare it to our inflows. So we have our outflows. These are our bills and everything like that. We're going to compare it to our inflows, see how much money we have coming in. And whatever we have left over, that's going to be our remainder. And our remainder is where we get to actually play with our budget a little bit. For a lot of people, this is going to be, here's where you're going to start saving first and foremost, uh, especially after we're going to actually talk about savings here in a little bit. But the money that you actually receive, this is where you can take some of that, pay yourself first, and uh, begin saving for whatever it is that you might uh, want any of the goals you have in the future. Buy a house, buy a new car, uh, save for retirement, save for a, a child's education, whatever it might be, this is where you're going to start to do that. The other part to that is this is where you're going to take the money and say, how much money do I have to go and do the things that I enjoy to do? How can uh, this is the money for you to spend on your hobbies? This is the money for you to spend on gifts for family and friends. This is the money for you to buy a new wardrobe or, or new clothes or uh, for you to you know say, buy something new for your clothes, whatever it might be. This is where you're going to find that money. And this is where you're going to budget that in. And again, the budget should not be restrictive. The budget should be something that frees you. So make sure it's a number that you're comfortable with. For a lot of people here, you might start looking at your budget and say, okay, well, I'm going to do $200 every two weeks for me to be able to spend and go out with friends. And that might seem like a lot to some people, but for other people, you realize that you have friends and you have a lot of friends and you like to go out. And one thing that's important to you, uh, one of your values is you enjoy spending time with friends. And so that $200 might not actually be enough for you to go and enjoy your time with your friends in that way. And if that's the case, then this is where we can start to look at, are we paying bills that we may not necessarily need to pay? Uh, that Spotify membership, right? Are we paying an extra $10 a month for Spotify that we may not need to, that we would actually be better off using, spending the way that we want to spend, and we can just listen to some ads because turns out we're not listening to our Spotify that much. Uh, maybe it's Netflix, maybe it's whatever it might be. You might look back and say, this is the one thing I will, I will say here. I can't stand when financial gurus are out there being like, oh, you know, the, your Starbucks coffee is what's making you broke. That's not the case, but this is one of those places where if we look at it and we say, hey, you know what? Uh, I spent $150 in Starbucks over the uh, last two weeks. Maybe this is a good place for me to say, what if I just cut that in half and I've got an extra $75 to go and, and spend hanging out with friends? That might be something that we look at that. Again, one thing you might say is, you know what? What I'm doing with my friends is going to Starbucks and getting coffee and catching up. And if that's the case, $150 might seem ridiculous to a lot of people, but to you, that is what you spend your money on, enjoying the things that you enjoy to do and, and spending money on the values that you that you place with friends and family. So if that's important, don't cut that out. Again, you just need to plan and prioritize that within your budget. So this is what a budget should be doing for you. Take your inflows, take your, your uh, essential bills, the bills that have to be paid every single month, rent your mortgage, gas to and from work, your your utilities, all of that stuff, and then find out what you have remaining. And then from there, you're going to figure out how you're going to be spending that portion uh, uh, at that point in time.
What should be included in that is, of course, your savings. And so savings is the second part to this, because once we have a budget, our budget is really going to tell us what we are able to save. And so one question I get asked a lot when people find out that I'm a financial advisor, they say, Garrett, how much should I be saving? And I hate the I hate the answer to that question, but it's the only answer we can give. The answer to that question is depends. And what it depends on is you individually really figuring out what it is that you need to be saving more. And this is where uh, one of our future things that we're going to be talking about, or actually we talked about in our last episode was goal setting. Now that you know your goals that we talked about in our last episode, and if you didn't listen to that episode, go back and listen to it where we talked about goal setting because goal setting is so important for this portion right here. Now that we know our goals, we can start saving for those goals. And odds are we're going to have more than one goal. And those goals are going to be at a different place in time as we're going through our budget. So we may have the goal uh, that we want to buy a house in the next year or two. And we also want to save for college for a child that uh, we plan on having in the future, right? We're not even, this isn't even a child that's born yet. That's going to be two years from now before we even consider having kids. So 18 years from that point, so 20 years from today. And we also want to retire at 60 instead of 65. And as of today, we're in our early 30s. So we're a few years away from that, 20, 25, maybe uh, so years from, from doing that. So when we look at how we need to be saving, we want to find the money that's available. And then this is where it works to either go and find the technology that you can use yourself in order to uh, create that or find that number that you need to be building to or working with a professional like myself or somebody else that you know that you can sit down and say, hey, if I wanted to buy a house in one to two years and here's what I'm looking at as far as a house, how much do I need to save in order to have a down payment? Or I'm going to have a a kid in two years and I want to be able to pay for them to go to college in 18 years after that. How much do I need to be saving each month in order to make sure that I can fully fund them going to college? Or And the one that this is really our bread and butter is I want to retire when I'm 60. I need to know how much I need to be saving in order to be able to retire at 60. And so sitting down and finding that savings number is going to be the most important thing. And there's a lot of variables in this. So how much to save is going to depend on how early you want to achieve that goal and how much you have available to you. And so when when we look at this and in, in reality, we always have to look at the variables just to figure it out because how much to save should not be a static number and say you have to save this much in order to reach this one goal. Yes, that's a part of it, but we also want to say how much time do you have to save? How much risk can we put into the uh, market at that point in time with these savings to to try to get a return based on that? And, you know, more importantly, are we willing to make changes if this goal might be a little bit outside of the reach at that point in time? For example, if you're 35, you say, I don't want to work until I'm 65, I only want to work until I'm 60, but you haven't saved enough today and you don't earn enough right now in order to save enough to be able to retire at 60. Is it possible for us to push that? to 62. And if that's the case, then that's going to change the entire calculation. And that's why working with a professional on this, again, 
It's so important because they should be able to give you that number. They should be able to tell you, here's how much you need to be saving monthly or annually or biweekly, whatever it might be for you to reach your goals, both your short-term and your long-term goals. How much you should be saving is going to be de uh, determined off of that number. And so that's where we need that number. We need to know what to save for. And then we need to know where we're going to be saving. And actually, in a couple episodes, so episode four, we talk about investment planning. We're going to talk a little bit more about the type of accounts that you might see. But just to keep a high level right now, where should we be saving? There's really a couple of main accounts that you're going to see when it comes to your savings. The first one is one I think everybody's really familiar with. And that is going to be your 401k, your TSP, your 403b something along that, some type of sponsored plan that's a retirement plan that is really linked to your income. So where you're earning for us in the military, TSP is the main one that is the government 401k for military and government employees, uh, 401k for your civilian job when you get out, your reserve or anything like that. Your 401k is going to be linked through your sponsor. That's something that your employer offers you as a benefit. Uh, 403B, we see this a lot of the times for different types of uh, nonprofit employees or teachers. That's their, it's it's essentially the same thing just based on the different ways of, of earning because they're not tied to a for-profit company typically. Uh, that's going to be the first place we really want to be looking at savings. Why? It's the easiest place to save. And most likely, there's going to be some type of incentive for you to be able to save in that account from your employer, from somebody, um, however it is that that account is structured, there's going to be some type of benefit in there. And it's just super simple. You can go in there and say, I want to do 3%, 6%, 10% of my paycheck, whatever. You never even have to see the money. So you don't have to subconsciously take that money from your checking account and put it away somewhere before you even get the money. It's saved for you. So just simplicity really helps a lot there when it comes to saving. That's why we say it's the the best place to start, and if you're getting a match from your employer to be able to put money in there, that's free money. So there, it's pretty much a no-brainer. There's very few times where we would tell people, hey, you probably shouldn't be saving inside of this type of account. There are instances for that. So again, if you think that you're unique in that case, reach out, ask the question. We'd be more than happy to answer that. Uh, we might even do a show about that where, you know, what are the instances where we might say, hey, don't save to this, this plan as of right now. Another place you can save, obviously, the one that I think everyone kind of thinks about is just your savings account with your bank. That's not a bad place for short-term savings, savings that we know we're going to have maybe in the next year or two that we don't need to see a return on, at least any kind of nominal return. Uh, but we would like to have access to it in the next year or two. Savings account at a bank or a credit union is going to be a great place just when it comes to keeping that money liquid having the ability to spend it within a short time frame. So if we're going to be buying a house in a year, that's probably the best place to be putting that money. If we know we're going to be buying a new a new car in the next 18 months or something like that, the best place is probably just to move that money from your checking account into your savings account, let it sit there until you are ready to buy whatever it is that you're looking to buy. So that's really going to be the best place for a savings account uh, within your bank or credit union. The next one, a lot of people hear about, but I start to recognize that there is a lot of confusion on, and that is going to be an IRA or an individual retirement account. An IRA 
is a investment account that is geared towards the goal of providing income to you in retirement. There are, I don't want to say different types of IRAs. There's just different structures of IRAs and the ways that you can invest. But at the end of the day, all it really is, is just an account that you can put money into for this year in 2022, which 2022 is almost over. You can put up to $6,000 next year, 2023, you can put 6,500. If you're over the age of 50, there's an extra thousand dollars that you could actually put in there. So you could put $7,000 into your uh, IRA in 2022, 7,500 in 2023. Benefit that you have with an IRA, say over your 401k, is uh, there are limitations to this based on how much you earn and, and if you are saving to an employer plan, things like that, how you earn your income. Uh, and so you don't actually have to make a payment this year in this in this calendar year in order for it to count this year. So you could wait until up to April 15th of the following year to make a contribution for this year. So I'll give you an example. Let's say you're waiting to file your taxes. You're not sure if you've made too much money in order to contribute to an IRA or Roth IRA. And so you're waiting. Your accountant says, hey, you're good. We need to contribute to an IRA so that we can get that tax deduction, just a traditional IRA for a tax deduction. You could at that point in time put in $6,000 if you're under the age of 50, 7,000 if you're over the age of 50, and it could be March 20th, whatever it might be. You could also if they say, hey, you're you're gonna be good this year too, you know, we we don't expect your income to increase too much more over this year. You could at that point in time put in that other sixty five hundred or seventy five hundred right into that account at that same point in time. Now you've just made a 2022 contribution and a 2023 contribution all on that same day, March 20th of 2023. However, going forward, you would have to wait at least until that following can calendar year in 2024 for you to make a contribution for 2024. But again, you have all the way until April 15th of 2025 in order to make that contribution for 2024. So there's a lot of rules. There's a lot of little nuances when it comes to IRAs and things like that with this. Um, and again, we might talk about this a little bit more when we get to the investment planning 101. But that's really some of the main things you need to look at with the IRA. There are limitations. There, there is a set amount how much you can put in there each year and when that has to be put in there. But outside of that, for the most part, you can go and just use that as an investment account. Go and start buying investments, stocks, bonds, ETFs, mutual funds, whatever you might, uh, whatever you might be looking to invest in. And then after that, the really other main type of savings where you might want to save is going to be just your typical brokerage account or just a typical investment account. Whenever, whenever uh, people I talk to, whenever they hear me talk about it, I call it a taxable account. Because at the end of the day, there's really no tax benefit to put your money in there like there is an IRA or a 401k. Uh, it is a little bit more like your savings account with your bank or credit union where you can have access to this money pretty much within a day or two. And if you bank it where you have one of these set up, like, uh, for instance, um, I have an account with Charles Schwab where we have a brokerage account there. If I wanted to, I could transfer money from my Schwab brokerage account to my Schwab checking account. No problem. And I could spend that money probably within 24 hours if I need to. But with that account, I am investing in stocks, bonds, ETFs, and mutual funds. So these investments are subject to the market as it moves. And when I have a taxable event in that account, meaning I sell an investment for a gain or a loss, or I receive a dividend or some type of income from that, I could 
may potentially have a taxable liability from that. So if I sell a stock at a gain uh, and I take that money, that might be something that I have to pay tax on. So again, typically for these types of uh, investment accounts, we want these funds that we're putting in there to be kind of set aside for at least a few years. Maybe not retirement, but this would be a good place if we say, hey, you know what? I'm not going to buy a house for another five years or so, or I just bought a car. I need to start saving for my next car. And I buy a car roughly every four years. I'm going to start putting money into this mutual fund inside of my brokerage account at uh, uh, my in my investment account. That might be what we use that type of account for. And then, of course, as we start getting closer to that time, we want to take a look at that investment and say, hey, should we move this somewhere safer? Should we change the investment in this? Or should we now start moving this money uh, into our savings account with our bank, our credit union, because it's something that that we want to keep a little bit more liquid for us? So that really is, you know, when we look at where to save, that's what we're going to be looking at. That, those are the terms you're going to hear when you hear people talking about where to save and uh, and what you should be doing with that money. We're going to talk a little bit more about that again in our fourth episode, Investment Planning. I think that's going to be a- an episode that a lot of people are going to like. So I'm sure everyone's going to be looking forward to that one. But this, this has been Budgeting and Savings Planning 101. So this is episode two. Make sure you go back, listen to episode one. That was Financial Planning 101. We talked about what is financial planning. We talked about goal setting because ultimately... That is what you need to have in order to continue to go through your uh, your financial plan. Now that we're here, we've talked about budgeting. We've gotten a good idea of our inflows, our outflows, how much money we have to save. And when it comes to our savings, we know how much we need to save in order to accomplish our goals. So the next episode should be coming out here in a couple of weeks. We are actually going to be going over protection planning 101. And so now that we have a good idea of what we have, where we're spending, and we know we need to be saving, now we need to look at how do we protect ourselves from any major events or catastrophic events so that it doesn't totally throw apart our financial plan. So protection planning 101, that'll be the next episode coming out here in a couple of weeks. Again, if you guys have questions for me, I'd love to hear them. I'd love to answer those questions. You can go to our website, www.operationveteranfinance.org. Go to the contact us page and fill that out. Those questions come right to me and I'd be more than happy to answer them. Uh, We might even include them in the show. So definitely send us those questions and we look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Operation Veteran Finance. You can listen to this episode or all other episodes at www.operationveteranfinance.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Wealth LLC is an SEC-registered investment advisory firm with its principal place of business in Ohio. Registration is not an endorsement of the firm or its representatives by securities regulators, nor is it an indication that the advisor has attained a particular level of skill or ability. This discussion is intended to be general and educational in nature and is not tailored to any listener's individual circumstances or financial situation. You should not assume that any discussion or information contained herein serves as the receipt of or as substitute for personalized investment advice. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. This communication should not be construed as a recommendation or solicitation to take or refrain from taking any particular course of action due to various factors, including changing regulation and market conditions. The information discussed may no longer be reflective of of current positions or recommendations. All information presented is believed to be factual and up-to-date at the point of publication. Mark and does not guarantee its accuracy, and it should not be regarded as 
complete analysis of the subjects discussed. The subjects discussed herein are general in nature, provide for information purposes only, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Listeners should consult with the professionals of his or her choosing regarding their specific legal, tax, or financial situations.